The moment has arrived. I'm Tom Dickinson, and this podcast is a Doctor Who podcast called The Moment. Each week I'm joined by a different guest, and we talk about a moment from an episode of Doctor Who that they have a lot of things to say about. This week I'm joined by writer Ty Gooden to discuss a moment with the Tenth Doctor and his companion Martha Jones from 2007's Last of the Time Lords, the finale of Series 3. The Doctor and Martha have foiled the Master's plan to establish a new Time Lord Empire by taking over planet Earth. And when I say the Doctor and Martha have foiled the plan, I might be giving the Doctor a bit too much credit. It was really Martha who foiled it. The Doctor tried to foil it in the previous episode, The Sound of Drums, and failed, resulting in the Master seizing total global control of Earth and slaughtering hundreds of millions. That left Martha with the task of setting things right, which she accomplishes by walking all over the world and, well, I'm not going to recap the whole explanation. It's got a lot of technobabble, but suffice it to say that Martha has spent the past year wandering the blighted post-apocalyptic Earth and evading capture, while the Master tortured her family and ruled the world from a flying aircraft carrier. So Martha has obviously been busy, and she and her family have had a pretty rough time, but due to her efforts, a magic reset button has been pushed, and the rest of the planet gets unapocalypsed. The Doctor goes off and has a manly sulk because the Master, who is his archenemy, but is also the only other known survivor of Gallifrey, has been defeated and killed, and is definitely dead for good this time. Definitely. And then he lands the TARDIS on Martha Jones's doorstep, so that the two of them can set off on their travels through time and space once more. Martha had spent a year, she had been walking the Earth, um, trying to save everyone while the Doctor was incapacitated. Um, everything worked out well, of course, and she's reunited with her family. Um, she comes and walks into the TARDIS. I don't know. Charles II? Henry VIII. I know. What about Agatha Christie? I'd love to meet Agatha Christie, but she's brilliant. And the Doctor is ready to take off and go on the next adventure, but she's like... Okay. Not so fast. I just can't. Yeah. I'm not going. Um, Spent all these years training to be a doctor. Now I've got people to look after. I need to take care of my family. They saw half the planet slaughtered and they're devastated. I can't leave them. Of course not. They have been through a lot. I've been through a lot. And I need to put myself first. And so I'm moving on. And uh, it really kind of put the doctor in his place. And Thank she you. lets him know how she feels, tells him what's on her mind. And then she leaves under her own volition. And I feel like it's just such a powerful moment that gives Martha so much agency and, you know, and validation. Martha Jones, you saved the world. I really love... Yes, I did. ...one particular part where she I said... I spent a lot of time with you thinking I was second best, but you know what? I am good. <laughs> and it's so true. I, you know, I really think that Freema and... You're going to be all right. Always, yeah. Uh, David Tennant just really delivered right. it really well. You could just see all of these right. different emotions and everything playing across his face as the doctor, um, as he kind of really got taken to task. <laughs> thing is, it's like my friend Vicky. She lived with this bloke, student housing, there were five of them all packed in, and this bloke was called Sean. And she loved him. To say hey. She did. She completely adored him, spent all day long talking about him. Is this going anywhere? Yes. You know, look at how you've been treating this person. Because he never looked at her twice. Freema really did a great job of transferring Martha's emotions. I mean, he liked her. That was it. As she, you know, validated herself and chose her emotional world. And she wasted years pining after him, years of her life. Because while he was around, she never looked at anyone else. And I told her, I always said to her time and time again, I said, I feel like this moment, get 
out. Kind of transcends what was going on within the context of the show. There's such an important lesson there. So this is me, getting out. That we can use in all of our relationships with others, which is, you know, you never want to get too deep into something at the detriment of yourself. One of the things I think is kind of interesting you know, like you say, you can see this this wave of emotion on David Tennant's face as he's kind of taking it all in. Right. But for one of the very few times in his whole run as the Doctor, he's kind of at a loss for words. He doesn't really have much to say. Do you think that's for the better? Or do you kind of wish that he had more to say in response? I think his face said everything without anything needing to be said. You know, I think she could see the a bit of the regret, a bit of the hurt, a bit of the sadness. Because as we know, all know, the 10th Doctor is not the kind of Doctor <laughs> they really like to be by himself. <laughs> he loved the crowd. He... You know, he loved to have people around him and everything. And so I think his face really kind of said it all. There's also a part of me, too, that kind of does wish that he did apologize to her because she was treated kind of second best. You know, he spent a lot of time comparing her to Rose and... Um, Not that you're replacing her. Never said I was. Just one trip to say thanks. You get one trip, then back home. Kind of treating her like a Rose replacement. I'd rather be on my own. And, you know, I think an apology would have been great, but I don't I don't think she was really expecting one. And I think she was OK without getting one, because, like I said, I think when she saw his face and saw how it affected him and could tell by his body language and, you know, him thanking her and genuinely thanking her, not just for, you know, saving the earth during this last uh, adventure that they were on, but just for the span of the time that she was with him and all the things that she did and she endured and everything like that. I think that was kind of really enough. How do you feel about Martha's storyline overall? There are parts of it that I really love. When I first watched her arc, you know, I really just kind of gravitated towards Martha. Part of it, of course, was because, you know, I see her and she's a black woman like myself. And so it's, you know, really cool to see yourself within the context of the show, especially as a companion, because, you know, that's our gateway. That's our eyes and ears into this world that the doctor lives in. And I love the fact that she had a firm sense of self and really knew who she was before she became a companion. You know, when you look at some other companions like a... Got no A-levels. Like with your rose and... No job. No future. And with Bill... Um, what are you doing at this university? I always wanted to come in. Yeah, to serve chips. You kind of feel like they were just lost and they were just waiting for something to happen and they didn't really know who they were. But Martha had a clear goal. I can't. I've got exams. I've got things to do. I have to go into town first thing and pay the rent. Got my family going mad. She was a caretaker for her family and her family really depended on her and she was going through her medical studies. And that was something that she always wanted to do. And, you know, I think that was kind of a big part of her exit. You know, a lot of people think, oh, she just left because the doctor didn't love her anymore or anything like that. I don't really think so. I feel like she was always going to leave anyway, because she was going to eventually get back to her life and get back to who she was at the core of her life, get back with her family and get back to her studies. There's definitely some aspects of her journey that I didn't like. You know, of course, I feel like the doctor could have. The last time treated her better in a lot of times. Martha, like I said. Did not compare her to Rose so much. And it got complicated. Uh, you know, there are a couple of different things that, you know, some racial things that may have happened, like with Shakespeare's code. What did you say? Oops. Isn't that a word we use now? Some of the language and everything in there, but I can't believe it. It's political correctness gone mad. But overall, I really like Martha. I really liked her journey. I love how she introduced herself. And more than that, I don't just follow him around. I'm training to be a doctor. You know, as a doctor, as somebody that. Not an alien doctor, a proper doctor, a doctor of medicine. Of the medical profession. She never really introduced herself as, like, just the doctor's companion. So she always had that strong sense of self and, and identity. It's such a good point that like her two main things that her life is about are becoming a doctor 
and taking care of her family. And that's like... You're up early. What's happening? It's a nightmare. Because Dad won't listen, and I'm telling you, Mum is going mental. In the very first minutes that we meet her in Smith & Jones, that's what she's doing. She's... Hold on, that's Leo. I'll call you back. Martha, look, if Mum and Dad start to kick off, tell them I don't even want a party. Hold on, that's Mum. I'll call you back you know, doing triage on these phone calls that are coming in from siblings and parents, and she's on her way to work. Jens. We could take bloods and check for many years disease. And then when she leaves here, she leaves to do exactly those things. So it really brings it full circle. And I do, I, I love that, that everybody depends on her. So she's, you know, fielding phone calls, like you said, and she's, <laughs> she's trying to go about her work and everything. And so I don't think that she was ever going to be one of those companions that was like, oh, I want to stay with you and travel with you forever. You know, I never want to leave or whatever. Like she just would never be able to break ties. I think eventually, even if the events of, you know, Last of the Time Lords and everything had transpired, I still think she would have gotten to a point where she would have been like, you know, this was fun. I enjoyed it, but I'm, I'm ready to get back to my regularly scheduled program. It's funny because a lot of the companions in the new series, they're on board for life. Um, Amy builds her family life around it, basically. Uh, Rose and Donna are prepared to stay around forever. Is that something that you like or dislike in the storylines of those companions? I, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I really don't because I'm like, it's just not, you're talking about traveling with someone who is an alien who has lived for hundreds, you know, perhaps thousands of years. It's not realistic for you to be able to spend the rest of your life with them. And eventually, wouldn't you want to be able to do something else outside of that traveling? Like for me, I would think of it as like a vacation. So something that you would, you know, do temporarily, but eventually I would want to take and kind of soak up those experiences and soak up the things I did and then go back to my life, go back to people that I care about and my family and everything. I guess I could see it a little bit more with Bill. You know, you're my foster mom. Because Bill, he's like my foster tutor. Even though she was adopted. Am I going to have to break every bone in his body? It's not like that. You need to keep your eye on men. She really didn't have a close relationship with her mother. Men aren't working my actually. And so she really didn't have anyone to kind of go back to. But Rose was just willing to abandon everyone. Just because there's nothing left for me here. Nothing. No. Bye, mom. Bye, Mickey. Bye, everybody. I'm just okay. If that's what you think, you know, I'm gonna leave you and travel with the doctor for the, you know, for the rest of my days. And it's just, it's not a realistic <laughs> viewpoint. And that's why I love Martha so much because she was given that agency to be able to leave, and she's still now the only modern companion from the modern series that's done that. That's just left under her own volition. Yeah. So I was gonna ask if there are any other companions whose whose exits kind of give you that similar feeling. But uh, it sounds like the answer to that is really no. Right, yeah, I just feel like everyone had to be ripped away. You know, Rose had to be ripped away. And then, you know, with Amy, Amy. the same thing. They ended up basically having to die. Gravestone here for someone with the same name as me. To go away. Um, Clara sort of kind of did the pseudo-death thing, but she was just getting... Maybe this is why I kept taking all those stupid risks, kept pushing it. This is my fault. This is my choice. Way too wrapped up in it, becoming way too doctorish and taking way too many risks, and it really cost her, you know, in the biggest way. And and Bill basically became like a... So I'm not you now. Water creature. I'm not human anymore. So... (laughs) Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think anybody else's exit can really compare to hers. And the thing about this moment with her actually getting to lay it all on the line and put her feelings out there and let the doctor know some of the things that she's been kind of internalizing since she's been with him is that she got that chance. A lot of other people didn't get that chance because it just kind of happened abruptly where it was over. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's true in the modern series. It's also true in the classic series. I mean, one of the other moments I had um, Rachel Donner on to talk about Sarah Jane's reunion with the 10th Doctor and how much... Did I do something wrong? Because he never came back for me. You just 
dump me. The fact that she didn't get that in the classic series just bubbled under as resentment for years and years and years. And it's nice to see Martha get to... Uh, I, I think my favorite part of this moment is the fact that she she just walks right out of the TARDIS and then there's this moment of like, hold on, wait a second. No, I have more I want to say. <laughs> and then when she left for the second time, she just kind of breathes this sigh of relief and she just nods her head like, yes, you know, she felt confident and sure in what she did. And I just, I love that so much or whatever that she had that confidence and that boldness. Yeah. How do you feel about the episode as a whole and her role in it? I wish we could have seen- you, You're a bit of a legend. What does the legend say? He sailed the Atlantic. What she did when she spent that year. across America. That you're the only person to get out of Japan. Out and about or whatever. I mean. Martha Jones, you say, she's going to save the world. Think about the death and the horror that she probably saw, you know, while she's thinking about her family, while she's thinking about, you know, the doctor and everything and trying to complete this seemingly impossible task that she was on. But, you know, and I think that played probably so much into her decision and we just didn't get a chance to see it. It's interesting because part of me wishes that we we could see that but also it sounds like just hell it, it is difficult to see what little we do see and also what little we see of what her family is going through under the master's thumb up up on that that sky carrier and again you know the things that her family went through they just because all those things that plays such a big role into it they still have so it's you know it's really interesting that she when she made that decision to leave it was kind of equal parts uh, act of self-preservation and also a selfless move to put her family first yeah it's it's interesting uh this this moment before that and right after that she's in her house her apartment or whatever that is, um, talking to her mother. What do you think of her mother, Francine? And what do you think of Martha's relationship with her? Uh, her mother reminds me a lot of my own. Oh, really? Definitely someone that worries a whole lot and that's very, you know, just concerned and wants to make sure that you're okay. Even though we didn't get a chance to see a whole lot of her mom throughout her art, I can definitely see where she grew. I mean, when you think about the first time in the Lazarus experiment, when she met the doctor. Then, Have you seen Martha and that doctor anywhere? She hated him and she was... Do you know anything about him? Has she ever mentioned him before? Why is this man with my daughter? Why is he changing her like this? She's becoming this person that I don't recognize. Because, you know, you get the vibe that they're definitely a tight-knit family. And here's this person that's putting a wedge between them. And by the end, right before Martha went back into the TARDIS in uh, last at the Time Lords, you see her mom look out the window at the doctor and he's leaning up against the TARDIS and they just kind of give each other like a nod. Yeah. And I love that part so much because it's like her mother finally accepted, okay, maybe you're not so bad after all. Even though we went through all of these things and everything like that, I understand more about you. I understand more of what you do and I don't like it, but I'm willing to accept it if my daughter makes this decision to continue traveling with you. Yeah, I also kind of feel, and I'm not sure how I feel about this, but I also kind of feel like maybe she was right all along. <laughs> like... Maybe Martha was getting deep into something that wasn't good for her. Is I don't know. How, I don't know how you feel about that one way or the other. Right, and I think that happens a lot with companions too. I think they just, you know, and like I uh, referenced Clara, Clara earlier, how you just get so immersed in this world. I let you get reckless. Why? Why should I be so reckless? You're reckless all the bloody time. Why can't I be like you? That you just start doing things that are more risky. You start turning into a person that you've never been before. The Doctor definitely has a positive effect on a lot of people. You know, you see with, with people like Mickey Smith, Don't. who was basically an idiot and a coward. <laughs> he's an alien. He's, he's a thief. And, you know, he's not invited. Turned around and ended up becoming somebody that was completely different. But what are cyber factories out there? Do you think there'd be one in Paris? In the best way. Yeah. Then let's go liberate Paris. But there are a lot of negative effects there, too. I think the longer that you spend time with the doctor, sometimes the, the more that he can kind of rub off on you in a, in a negative way. I kind of see that with Rose. I am one of those people and people attack me online and I'll argue about it all day long. But I think that Rose was so much better with the ninth doctor than she was with the 10th. I'm left traveling on my own because there's no one else. 
It's me. Well, she got together with the 10th Doctor. I feel like she became really arrogant. Yeah, if you think there's going to be trouble, we could always get back inside and go somewhere else. <laughs> it was almost like they were in this little elite club. Like, we're better than you. You know, we know so much more than you because we travel here and we do this and we do that. And she was almost like a bully towards her mom, towards Mickey. I don't know. I, I know a lot of people are on the 10th Doctor and Rose train, but I'm, I I am not feeling it or whatever. And I think I would have enjoyed Martha and 10 together so much more if there wasn't always that kind of that residual spillover that he just has this hangover that he can't get over Rose. I just found that so incredibly hard to believe because, I mean, you see it in the classic series. I mean, he's cycled through a lot of companions and I, I think he loves them all and I think they hold a special place in his heart, but he moves on. I suppose we're going to miss Ramana. And K-9 too. Yes. Still, the future lies this way. How long have you been a Doctor Who fan? I am kind of a latecomer. So I got into the series probably around like 2009. Okay. I was actually working at a call center at the time and... It was a bunch of us that would work the night shift. And that was when all the managers and shift leads and all those people would go home. And we would just sit in there and just talk about things. We'd talk about Marvel, DC, Star Trek, Star Wars, all of that stuff. And they were like, dude, you would totally be into Doctor Who. And I had kind of vaguely heard about it, but hadn't really taken time to give it a shot. And it was on Netflix. And so I jumped in and the media was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. Was just hooked. And I've just kind of been hooked on it ever since. So... I think it was more a thing in, in Doctor Who fandom back in the day, but you did just kind of allude to it. The whole Rose versus Martha thing in fandom. There's a pretty sizable contingent of fans that just really does not like Martha. Why do you think that is? Because she wasn't Rose. Because she wasn't Rose. <laughs> and I think, you know, for Rose, I think she holds such a special place in a lot of people's hearts because she was the first companion of the modern series. So, I mean, for people like me that came in during this modern era, that was the first companion that we saw. So I think a lot of people just kind of got decidedly attached to her. And so, you know, I think when she left, a lot of people were just upset to see her go. And it didn't matter who came next. They just weren't going to like them. And so I, I kind of hate that that next companion had to be Martha. I think if there had maybe been somebody in between them, because you look at how things were so different when he got with Donna. Right. And a lot of people love Donna. And I love the 10th Doctor and Donna together. I love them on the show. I love the big finish audios that they did together. What are you saying? They fizzled in somehow, like the TARDIS. The, the TARDIS doesn't fizzle. It's more of a... And I think what kind of fed into it a bit more was the way that the doctor initially treated her, too. Because mm. I think if the doctor hadn't been, how can you really know anything? Stare me right in the face and I can't see it. You know, if Rose was here, she wouldn't know what to do. I think if that Rose had known. aspect hadn't been put in there, then maybe that could have changed the fans' minds a bit. Because I do think that the way that the doctor treats people and approaches people has an effect on the way that a good chunk of the fandom feels about that particular person. And I mean, I de definitely don't mean to come off as somebody that you know, I sound kind of like a hate rose. I don't. <laughs> um, like I said, I just kind of prefer her with it. I loved her and the Ninth Doctor's dynamic together so much. And I think there were a lot of things that as a new fan, when I started watching that I really related to her mm. because I was young. I was trying to kind of figure some things out. I was stuck in a rut in my personal life at the time. And so watching her kind of grow with the doctor and seeing her go on this great adventure was definitely a form of escapism for me. So, you know, I definitely do like Rose and everything, but it was just, there's just something about Martha. And I think some of it for me is because she she is kind of the underdog and she does feel kind of like the forgotten modern era companion. You know, I mean, you've got, you know, Rose with the bad wolf thing. And then, of course, you know, Amy and Rory. And, you know, there are so many people that just love Clara and, you know, a lot of people that love the friendship between Tin and Donna. And, you know, even now with Bill coming along, I absolutely love Bill. I love Bill and 12 together. But yeah, I do. I, I do. I just... 
I love Martha. I loved her personality. I loved her wit and how she would just kind of jump into things. And, you know, I do think there were some parts of her journey where I could definitely see where the doctor trusted her so much and realized her cap- her capableness. But it just kind of got swept under the rug a lot, like in, uh, I think it was Dalton, Manhattan. Hey, how come those guys just let us through? How's that thing work? Where he just kind of gives her the psychic paper. Psychic paper? Shows them whatever I want them to think. And he goes off and does his thing. He doesn't really tell her what to do, how to solve this, where to go, any of this stuff. And she just figures it all out. She ends up having a couple of people that tag along with her, like they're her companions. And she really takes on that doctorish role in that. And even though I don't really care for the story overall in particular, I really love her and what she did in that particular story. I think think he trusts her, but I think there's a point where it goes too far. For you. In, um... Human nature and family of blood. That's no good. What about the stuff you didn't tell me? What about women? Like he's taking her for granted. Oh no, you didn't. He's asking her to do something. What the hell am I supposed to do then? And he's almost kind of thank you, heedless of the magnitude of what he's actually asking. And then he doesn't even. He's not even thinking. And I understand. You know, have to remember, not human. So he doesn't think along the same lines that we do as, you know, as human beings and stuff. But I'm like, you have landed this woman back in like the early 1900s. And yeah. uh, now then, you two. she's going to be a maid oh, to have fun. at a school a little backbone into and she's black. Tell me then, Jones, hands like those, how can you tell when something's clean? <laughs> That's very funny, sir. I'm just like, wow, you I just really wish there could have been another time that you guys could have landed me in because that just made it so much worse. And I mean, she really went through the emotional ringer. And I kind of hate it with Martha's run. I don't feel like she ever got a chance how some of the other companions got that chance to kind of, you know, well, where do you want to go? You want to, like, even with Rose. Right then, Rose Tyler, you tell me, where do you want to go? Backwards or forwards in time? You want to go here. Let's visit here. This place is cool. I just feel like she kind of got drug around by 10. Like she never really had much of a choice or a say-so. If I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. And now that you're saying that, I also think that there's a lot of the times we get to see the companion. <laughs> not bad. Not bad at all. Kind of experience these moments of wonder. I'll never get used to this. Never. Different ground beneath my feet. Different sky. Having these, you know, transcendent experiences like that. But with Martha, it's like she gets all the hard stuff. Right. And, I, and you know, that's the part that I really don't like. I just wish she would was able to have more of those, you know, kind of whimsical, fun, loving stories. I mean, you just really don't get a lot of that within her, within her arc. It just feels, a lot of it feels so heavy. And by the time he really started to come around and get himself together and realize this, you know, incredible person, this incredibly capable and competent person that was in front of him, she had already had enough. When I first saw that episode last the time, Loris, and she was getting ready to leave. The minute that she said she wasn't going, I wasn't surprised at all. Hmm. You know, and I had to like avoid it, spoilers and everything like that. Of course, I knew she was going to leave at some point in time because I kind of knew what was going on in the present. Hmm. But I, I could just feel it coming. Were you hoping for another season of her? I wanted that, but I didn't feel like it was going to happen. And so I wasn't surprised at all when she left at the end of the season. I was delighted when she came back. Yeah, I was going to ask how you feel about her appearances after this, because she does come back a few times in both Doctor Who and Torchwood. Do you miss him? No. Love her in Torchwood. I made my choice. I think that... Maybe sometimes. A tiny bit. Tiny. Torchwood really... Then I come to my senses again. Anyway, I've got plenty to occupy me. Gave her that space and gave her that writing and that characterization that just... I wish so many people, so many of the, the Martha haters and the people that didn't really like her in Doctor Who, I wish that some of them would have seen what she did on Torchwood. She was amazing on that show. Mm-hmm. To come back to the, the moment itself, how she kind of speaks her mind. She sees that it's time to cut her losses and get out. And it's a valuable kind of like a, a judgment call to be able to make to know... 
when it's time to get out of a relationship, a job, a project, uh, a fandom even, when it's time to like just get out. Is that something that you think you're good at? <laughs> I do think I'm good at that. And I think I learned that going through some of the experiences that I've gone through, just kind of on a personal note. I've been somebody that's kind of dealt with issues of self-esteem and you know depression and everything like that. And so I think that's kind of one of the lessons that I've learned or whatever is that I've got enough stuff kind of going on internally and things that I've been processing and working through. I don't need anyone else to further drag me down. I definitely work hard to value myself to understand and recognize and celebrate my worth and anyone who can't see that can't see the good in me and can't recognize the value that I bring to a relationship to a friendship to a workplace you know I mean in so many different capacities then that's not someone I really want to be around if I'm in a place that's toxic if I'm around people that's toxic or whatever and I recognize that I make peace with myself that this is okay for me to let this go I don't have to ride on I don't have to latch on to this I don't have to stay you know for the other person's sake or whatever because sometimes you do have to preserve yourself and save yourself. That's why I'm really so struck by this moment because I feel like it's an important lesson that just kind of extends way beyond what's going on in this particular episode and way beyond Martha. And it's really a life lesson about unhealthy and unbalanced friendships and relationships and everything. And when you get that gut feeling that you need to go and get out or a fandom, like you said, I mean, when you realize that a fandom is just toxic. You, you got to step away. And, you know, get away from it because what what good is it doing you? What purpose is it really serving in your life? How is it edifying you and building you up if you're allowing yourself to just be constantly drugged down by that? No, nobody has time for that. Yeah, it's it's something I really admire in Martha in this moment, possibly because I kind of think I suck at it, honestly. I've been thinking lately that, like, I need to get off Twitter. Like, Twitter's not giving me what I what I need from it anymore. It's kind of miserable, but it's like, eh, maybe next week, maybe next month. And uh, I'm glad to have had this another occasion to at least think about that. Yeah. Oh, me with Facebook. Yeah, I cut the I cut the cord on that months ago. Yeah. And haven't looked back. And I feel so much better for it. it it's kind of iffy with me with Twitter. There are a lot of things there that I don't really like. I kind of have to use Twitter for work as a freelancer. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a little bit harder to walk away from Twitter, but I do take intermittent breaks when it's just too much. But it can be hard because, I mean, our world and our life revolves around social media and it can be such a toxic place because you're seeing other people and it looks like, oh, this person's doing that. This person's doing great. And the next thing you know, you're feeling, you know, you're feeling pretty crappy about yourself and you really shouldn't because you're comparing your life that you're living and experiencing every day with other people's highlight reels. Yeah, it's so it's so weird because it's like it, it almost sounds kind of silly to say, but it's like Martha always feels like she's being unfairly held up to Rose and she is. And social media, like you say, there's, you know, other people you're being kind of held against them. Yeah. I mean, it does. You just, it's creating a mirror to look at yourself from an angle. That's just not fair. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what was happening with, with Martha and the 10th doctor or whatever. I mean, she was, you know, constantly comparing herself or internally comparing herself to a person that she didn't even know that she had never met a day before in her life or whatever. And it was having a detrimental effect on her. And then there's that, I mean, I think we all kind of have that. Please just. That innate desire to be seen. Just see me. And to be recognized and to be valued. And especially it's the two of them together in the TARDIS, just the two. And they're traveling and they're doing all these things and spending all of this time with each other. And you feel like you're with this person and you're you're willing to sacrifice so much for this person and you feel like they don't even see you. I mean, that's got to be crushing. And I think that's something that all of us can relate to, to a certain extent. I think we've all been there before. I'll see you again, mister. Yeah, you know, like I said, I just loved it so much how she just made the doctor, like really forced him to take a look at himself. And like you said, just pretty much rendered him speechless. And, you know, I loved it when him and 
Martha got a chance to kind of reunite and it, it didn't feel overly awkward or anything like that. I think that Martha learned a lot from her time with him, you know, and I, I just think it's so awesome that she just recognized and listened to that gut instinct that told her to go. Um, I love it. It's, it's probably one of my favorite Doctor Who moments still to this day. And that is it for the moment this week. Many thanks to Ty Gooden. Ty is a freelance writer, so you can find her stuff in a ton of different places like Bustle, Sci-Fi Wire, Hypable, and plenty of others. So if you want to keep up with her work, you can follow her on Twitter at Ty Gooden. That's T-A-I-G-O-O-D-E-N. She's also a co-host of The Nostalgia Mixtape, a podcast that looks back on the pop culture of years gone by. You can follow this show on the Twitter at TheMomentPod, and you can find more stuff and things at TheMomentPod.com. Sometimes I don't mention that you can review the show on Apple Podcasts, because I don't want to come off as too pushy, but my dad says I need to mention it every episode, and I always listen to my parents, so here we are. I'm Tom Dickinson, and I'll be back in a moment.